The Holy Gospel today is taken from the fifth chapter of Matthew. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. <clears throat> Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Our gospel readings right now in the season of Epiphany are reading through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. It's chapters 5 through 7. It's a uh, a wee bit longer than most sermons on Sundays are. Um, a lot better too, maybe, <laughs> for sure. But this sermon is challenging because in it I, see, I hear Jesus laying out our mission. He's turning the status quo of society upside down. The values of God's reign are not the worldly values and ways to which we are accustomed Jesus' sermon began with the Beatitudes, words of blessing. Verses 3 through 12, the first four Beatitudes focus on the end of time and are about reversal of fortune for the unfortunate ones in the world. The poor and dispossessed by society whose only hope is in God, they will receive the kingdom of God. Those who have no cause for joy will be comforted by God. The meek, or more accurately, those who are oppressed, will be given what they lack now. Those who long for God to put things right will have what they need for life. The people who benefit under God's reign are those who have no reason for hope, no cause for joy in this life, because they've been denied their share of God's blessings. They've been deprived of justice in this world. Jesus says, for such as these, God's kingdom or God's reign 
means change and all things will be set right. Then the last five Beatitudes promise rewards when God's kingdom comes in all of its fullness. Rewards to people who exhibit virtuous behavior. Jesus blesses virtues that are exercised. Notice they're on behalf of the unfortunate ones mentioned in the first four Beatitudes. The ones blessed are those who live according to God's reign, under God's reign, and strive faithfully to bring reality to the blessings promised to the unfortunate ones. I hear Jesus say, that's what followers of Jesus' disciples will do. Today's reading immediately follows those beatitudes. What are our lives as faithful disciples to look like? And Jesus uses two familiar metaphors, salt and light. And just so you know, it's addressed to the community. You throughout is plural. So it's uh, Dr. Siegel would have us say, y'all, when we translate it. Y'all are the salt of the earth. So it's for us as a community. But if salt's lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything but to be tossed out and trampled underfoot. You know, about, you know a lot about salt already, I'm, I'm sure. In large amounts, it preserves food. It draws all the moisture out so there's nothing for the bacteria or microbes to, to grow in. And the food's preserved. In small amounts that we sprinkle on our food, salt enhances the flavor of that food. We know that a little bit of salt is essential for the healthy functioning of our bodies. But our cardiologists will tell us not too much, right? <laughs> this week in our Thursday Bible study, I learned that salt, even though it's a preservative, did you know salt can spoil? Pure salt never spoils but any contaminants in it, spices, moisture, including the iodine that's added to salt, will cause it to deteriorate over time. Much salt in Jesus' day came from the Dead Sea and likely had, could have been contaminated, thought, causing it to lose its saltiness over time. Alone and pure, salt is just salt. Its usefulness for us in our world derives from the interaction of the salt with the food, the interaction of the salt, the way it helps the chemical reactions in our cells and keeps us healthy. And enhanced flavor and healthy bodies depend on just the proper amount of salt. One thing I hear Jesus teaching us with this metaphor is that little things we do as disciples can create a powerful, positive impact among the people and the groups we interact with. Several years ago, Pastor Michael Foss identified six marks of discipleship in his book, Power Surge. These marks of discipleship help us, I think, to be salt as together we enhance the lives of people that we encounter each day. Those six marks of discipleship that, that uh, Pastor Foss identified include pray daily, that's our connection with God, both talking, but just as importantly, being still and listening. Second mark, worship weekly. 
gathering in community after we've been roughed up by the world. We need that fellowship, that encouragement. We need to hear the word. We need to receive the sacrament for our strength each week. Third mark is read Scripture daily. God's Word feeds us, challenges us, and instructs us in our lives of faith. The fourth mark is to serve in ministry, helping others individually or as a congregation or corporately takes many forms. It can be local. It can be farther beyond. But serving gets us out and caring for those on the fringes of society doing what the law does, looking at others instead of ourselves. The fifth mark is to share. God provides what we need for life and invites us to share generously of our time, talents, and treasures. Sharing is a key way that we say thank you to God for God's free gift of grace and salvation and forgiveness. And the sixth mark is spiritual friendships, relationships with fellow believers that support us and encourage us day in and day out. But as disciples, we're also called to invite others beyond the church, the unchurched, into relationships with fellow believers and, more importantly, that relationship with Jesus that binds us together. A community of disciples Living into our faith, like those marks of discipleship remind us and guide us in doing, flavors our families, flavors our community, and even flavors beyond the community into the world. Just a few faithful followers, just like a little bit of salt, can make a powerful impact and big difference. In his letter from a Birmingham jail, Martin Luther King Jr. shared this powerful insight. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. A little more positive way today, when we are faithful disciples, directly touching one life with the good news of Jesus, that will indirectly impact many more lives. Our second metaphor today is light. You are the light of the world. If I were to turn on an LED flashlight in here, it wouldn't wouldn't look like very much in this brightly lit space. Even the candles on the altar, you have to look hard sometimes to see them. They look almost like decorations, but you turn the lights out in here. Even those candles can give an amazing amount of light to this large space in the dark. We read our baptismal charge this morning in the gospel reading. Did you catch that? To reflect God's light in and through our community of faith. We give a candle to those who are baptized and we say, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And whether we, I think whether we envision our light as a single candle or as a mirror reflecting the light of Christ, 
together, focused and united, we become brighter. We become more effective than one single source of light ever could. Think lighthouse. Around 1800, the French physicist Augustin Jean Fresnel invented a composite compact lens. The Fresnel lens uses elements that both reflect and refract the light, so it captures all the light that goes off in every direction and sends it back into one direction and creates that brilliant beam that pierces the darkness for miles and miles. It's visible. The Fresnel lens has been called the invention that saved a million ships. A congregational family, community of faith is kind of like that Fresnel lens. As the Spirit calls and gathers us into a community of Christ followers, we each bring our life of discipleship in as a part of that community to share in reflecting and shining the light of Christ. Focused by the mission of St. John's, our vision and values, our individual reflective lenses come together and focus that light of Christ powerfully. Our light beaming into the darkness not only announces where we are and that we're at work on behalf of the kingdom, but it guides us to what we're called to do, shows the world what we're doing and that mission that God has sent us to. The good works of justice we do as salt and light bear witness that as Jesus proclaimed and, and his, his miracles demonstrated, the kingdom or the reign of God is coming near, continues to come near, so near that it's already breaking into this present imperfect age. And these are the good works that bring to life the kingdom, the good works that will cause others to say, to give glory to your Father in heaven, the good deeds, the good works that invite others into that mission as well. In the Sermon on the Mount, I hear Jesus teaching us aspects of God's reign that the church is called to work on here and now. The acts that Jesus calls us to undertake are exhibited throughout his ministry. Think about miracles, feeding the hungry, healing the sick and crippled that were cast aside by society as useless and unproductive, seeing all those who responded to his word as his family, as his brothers and sisters, fellowshipping with those that society would have nothing to do with because they weren't good enough. These are what changes when the kingdom of God comes near. I think this theme of working for God's righteousness and justice in the world runs throughout the gospel. I hear it as a mandate for the church, either congregation or large C. A mandate because not a specific agenda or plan, because we are gifted by the, with the Spirit to, and called to discern what the needs are in our specific context, in our specific time so that we can focus with the lens, focus our gifts, our energies to what's needed for the world and the community. And I think that's sometimes why we find it challenging and at times potentially divisive because we come in looking at it from different perspectives. 
Plus, if we're honest with ourselves, not many of us, if any today, are among those beneficiaries, the unfortunate society that will have situations reversed. Now, what about the law and righteousness at the end? In verse 17, Jesus says, I've not come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've come not to abolish, but to fulfill. And the sense of the Greek word is translated fulfill is to bring to pass, to make it happen. We often overlook how much of the law in the Old Testament dealt with caring for orphans, widows, the poor, and so forth. In his words and miracles, Jesus is fulfilling the law and calls us into that same work. I look around in, in, our, in Christendom today, and it seems that there are still those who would interpret the law similar to the Pharisees, where they pay attention to the minutia of the law, the letter of the law, and they miss God's purpose, God's intent in giving the law as a blessing. Matthew's gospel is addressed primarily to Jewish Christian community. And that community in Matthew's day saw the smoldering ruins of the temple there that had been destroyed by the Romans. And the Jewish religious leaders were interpreting the law with an inward focus, it seems like. They viewed it as a way to preserve their faith because they couldn't worship and offer sacrifice in the temple any longer. Because in those early years, Christianity was seen as a part of the Jewish faith. Jesus lifts up God's intent for the law as he interprets the law. I think it necessitates an outward focus away from ourselves. Think of Jesus' summary of the law in the great commandment. We love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we do what? The second part. We love our neighbor as ourselves. It's focused outward. Fulfilling the law compels us to love and to serve those around us, particularly those who have been trampled by the world, world's order. So with joy and thanksgiving for the redemptive work of Jesus, reconciling us to God, we are free from that burden of guilt and sin, free to love, to serve, to share that good news with others. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount may unsettle us as he sends us out to work to alleviate injustice locally, nationally, even globally. Jesus warns us elsewhere that being his followers isn't an easy thing at all. We'll be hated, reviled, persecuted when we follow him. The world will get worse before it gets better. But make no doubt, he says, the wickedness will be overturned. And in the end, God's kingdom will be fulfilled. God's kingdom, God's reign will triumph. So think and pray and ponder what things, what ministries... Is God calling St. John's to undertake that bring the reign of God near, that make the ways of God's kingdom present here and now in this day and age? 
How can we make the world a better place than it would be if we individually or we as St. John's weren't here? In calling us to be salt and light, Jesus commissions the church to be actively involved in the world, doing good works that witness to the presence of God's kingdom here and now. A message our broken world desperately needs, not just to hear, but to experience. Following Jesus and bringing the kingdom of God sends us out. And that's part of our vision, isn't it? St. John's is to be a church for the community, for the world. So let's be salt. Let's shine our lights brightly so that God will be glorified in all that we do. And others will be uplifted and drawn to faith in Christ. Amen.